Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Miami Cop Talk. Miami Cop Talk. One community, one voice. I am Raul, and with me is Robert Asensio, co-host. We look forward to uh, another episode of this amazing journey that we're on. Uh, Robert, you want to say uh, hello to the folks? Yeah, I want to welcome everyone, and I am also excited here that we have a guest with us for part two. Raul, you can introduce her, but um, let's get on with the conversation, man. It is an, it's been a great journey, I must say. Last two weeks have been spectacular. We've had quite a few views. We're looking to grow this uh, Miami Cop Talk Forum community, so it's all yours, Raul. Absolutely, and uh, during our last uh, meeting with this uh, person, she was briefing us from uh, Tallahassee. She's our capital insider. She uh, is very well known up in Tallahassee, and she uh, basically keeps us abreast of what's going up and going on in Tallahassee with our uh, elected officials. We know that our elected officials at times seem to not be doing much for us here in Florida, but she keeps them in check, and uh, she's going <laughs> to provide us with uh, some insights on what's going on in Tallahassee with bills and laws and things that are trying to uh, you know, change our, our lives here in Florida. So, Dr. Nancy Lothar, could you uh, go ahead and give us your briefing as the Capital Insider? Absolutely. Although I must say that I don't think anybody keeps the Florida legislature in check, <laughs> least of all me. I try to monitor what they're going on. Let me give you an update first uh, with respect to our topic of last week, which was House Bill 1. And that bill has now passed all committees and is ready for the House floor. That's the rather controversial combating public disorder bill. Uh, the Senate companion bill, uh, which is Senate Bill 484, has not even been scheduled for committee. So perhaps they're waiting for the bill to go through completely the House before they schedule it in the Senate or perhaps uh, this is a delaying tactic and they're hoping uh, for negotiation power over the House on this, but we will see. Uh, last time, just at the end of the conversation, I was broaching a subject that is near and dear to the hearts of many public employees, and that is a bill called retirement. Now, I know that many people are approaching a point where there may be uh, some sort of a spring break, at least for the kids, uh, but the idea of a longer retirement, uh, every under the current circumstances, what that's going to look like. And there is a major change uh, that would be brought about by Senate Bill 84, uh, that is sponsored by Senator Rodriguez. That's Rodriguez with an S at the end. And that would change the current structure. So all new employees after July 1st would be required to join the investment plan. And simultaneously, any current employee currently in the investment plan would have one opportunity to switch to the pension plan. 
So the effect of this long-term will be to gradually deplete the pension fund because new employees will not be contributing funds. And this particular plan, which to date has been fairly stable financially, may become further um, destabilized. And we are speaking so, so, of the, Nancy, we're speaking of the Florida retirement system, right? Yes, indeed. Okay. Yes, indeed. That public employees belong to. In fact, uh, it's my understanding that Social Security is not collected uh, because you are members of FRS. Am I correct? No, no. quite the opposite. On, on this, oh. right, unlike the municipal pensions, I'm sorry, Raul, uh, unlike the municipal pensions, the Social Security is collected. So it's for agencies, state, okay. county, and I believe some municipal agencies, although I'm not sure how many municipal agencies, participate in the Florida retirement system. Did I leave anything out, Raul? No, you're right. I, I know from a law enforcement standpoint, other agencies like Sunny Owls, uh, I believe Miami Gardens, West Miami, there are certain agencies that participate in the Florida retirement system. And then, you know, City of Miami, Carl Gables, other municipal have their own municipal pension. So, um, yeah, but I personally, you know, uh, you know, they, they took Social Security out of me when I was with FRS. And, you know, the fact that the pension may may suffer from individuals going into the investment planning exclusively into the investment plan is something that should be concerning to retirees and um, individuals uh, that are currently in the pension plan. Nancy, you there? Well, I remember uh, you mentioning in private conversation uh, uh, that if one had a great financial advisor, one yes, could do. certainly yes. do well. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And if the bill is allowing people to to make a decision until 2022, I think uh, I think that's going to be an amazing opportunity for individuals that are in the investment plan if afforded the opportunity to go back into the pension. So uh, that's something to uh, take into account if you're currently uh, an FRS uh, member, or if you're in the, if you're employed with someone that provides you FRS benefits, yes. Actually, I, would, I, I think that the current right. the current law allows for an FRS. Also, once you are employed, you have X amount of days to opt out of the FRS, the Florida Retirement System, into the investment plan. But once you're out of it, you do not have an option to opt back into the Florida Retirement System. I believe that this new bill would mm -hmm. uh, basically not allow new members it would essentially close out the florida retirement system as we know it to new hires okay. and they would therefore go into the investment plan right. and i believe that there's a choice of investment plans but anyway for those you are right though Raul. for those people that those of us who are in members of the florida retirement system it is a concern because as we get older in our older years um, we don't know what the impact, the financial impact will be to the Florida retirement system. One last thing. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong, Nancy. The, the premise or the justification for such bill to close out the Florida retirement system to new people or essentially privatize the pension plan into the stock market, if you will, is right. basically because it is at 80 some odd percent funded. And it's believed that the state would have to carry that additional 15, 20% um, as a financial burden. But there is a misnomer there. 
the it is it that's on the premise that if everyone retired from the Florida retirement system and the Florida retirement system had to pay out 100% of its members, only 80% of them would be able to be paid at maximum. So therefore the state would have to pick up the remainder. That's not the case. You don't have 100% of the employees or public sector workers who are in the retirement system retiring at the same time. Um, so that's been a contention of argument for a long period of time. The investment plan, the Florida retirement system has been one of the most stable pension systems, public pension systems in the country. But we do know that there's been a move amongst lawmakers across the country to basically get rid of pensions. And this is part of that move, in my opinion. This bill has rocketed through the Senate. Uh, It basically uh, has finished all of its committees of reference. It's ready for consideration on the Senate floor. But, and this is important, there is no House companion bill. So that means that a bill would have to come out of some committee and be aligned with the Senate bill in order for it to be sent on to the governor and and be signed into law. So it still has a way to go. It has to be passed by the Senate, proposed in the House, and then go through the House in the same form, in the same language as the Senate. So something to watch. Definitely, especially when when, um, we know that leadership can basically incorporate this language into another existing bill or a leadership type bill or what they used to call the trains. I think they changed the, the, the term where they have a host of different issues, a mismatch of, they say germane bills that are, that are, that are connected or relevant, but nevertheless, one can sometimes look at those and say, hey, that's not quite germane. But nevertheless, the, the leadership has the option and the prerogative of um, picking the, this up in the House and running it through in any form, whether it's standalone bill or part of another bill. So it's certainly something to watch, especially the hundreds of thousands of public sector workers who are currently dependent on the Florida retirement system. Absolutely. And your experience as a legislator has given you a 30,000 foot view. And I want to you to descend maybe a couple thousand feet because the next bill I want to talk about is about drones. And that is Senate Bill 44, uh, sponsored by Senator Wright and also really um, ready for the Senate floor. It does have more or less a companion bill Uh, In fact, there are a number of drone bills that are advancing. Uh, There is another bill, Senate Bill 518, sponsored by uh, Miami-Dade's own Senator Manny Diaz Jr. that would allow a governmental agency or entity to use drones in the wake of uh, a natural disaster. In Florida, you think natural disaster, and it's flood or hurricane or, or something like that. But um, the Senate Bill 44 that is ready for the floor is a bit more, is a bit broader than that because it would allow for surveillance 
by drone operated by a police agency to surveil a crowd of 50 or more from above. Uh, it would allow drones to be used in traffic management. Uh, it could facilitate the collection of evidence either after a traffic accident or in the case of a crime. Uh, could be used, of course, as well uh, as part of the bill, something uh, to use after a natural disaster and also a provision to be used by fire departments, for example, uh, in the case of a fire. So those are some of the uh, uses that would be possible for drones under this bill. So uh, the House versions have not gone very far yet, just the Senate versions. But uh, in any case, uh, this bill has advanced very far in the Senate. And we have uh, another uh, seven and a half weeks of the legislature to go. The session will not end until April 30th. So there's plenty of time for a House companion bill to move ahead. So we will Nancy, see. Yes. Let me, let me ask you, what, uh, what was the uh, motivating factor that drew this concern up in Tallahassee uh, to establish some sort of regulation on drones? Do you know? I can surmise. I do not know for sure. But certainly uh, the fact that there are four different drone bills addressing the needs of natural disasters and the importance of being able to surveil a large um, uh, area may have been prompted by difficulties after Hurricane Michael, uh, which is our most recent um, hurricane hit. And I, um, after Cat 4, certainly uh, roads are not passable and the possibility of getting a broader view of a situation uh, is certainly something that is to be desired. You can get a portrait of who needs help, where they need help, what roads may be blocked, for example. And so you, you are able to dispense help in a more efficient fashion. Uh, with respect to crowd surveillance, I'm sure that is going to really um, raise the eyebrows of civil libertarians concerned about uh, crowd surveillance in the case of a protest. Uh, and, um, at the same time, I know that I saw an article uh, just yesterday in a, another part of the country where a drone had been used to track um, escapees from prison. So this kind of surveillance where on the ground, particularly if you have a very wooded area, for example, or a congested area or um, an area that is full of residential properties, for example, the ability to pinpoint somebody uh, who has perhaps escaped uh, 
from a penitentiary that might have been of interest. But in uh, that okay. is speculation on my part. I, I think that the individual motive for the legislators introduction of this bill, the, the one who filed this bill, we'd have to ask them, but, but I would venture to guess that is more along the lines of trying to stay in pace with technology and providing guidelines for the use of technology by public agencies. That's really, I think, the, the, the interest here. Whether it's needed or not, uh, we'll see what the legislature believes. Um, certainly, they have the authority to create this into law. So, um, I think I think it's really trying to get ahead of technology and and create the, you know, the, the rules of engagement, if you will. Um, yeah, that's, that's it might not be that bad, but for the public, you know, there's always the debate issue. Yeah, uh, that's very interesting. You know, Robert, you know me. I'm very skeptical of big government that doesn't work. I like you know, if it's going to be effective and working for the citizens, then you know, hey, great. Uh, I don't think anyone will complain about that, but you know, big government tends to many a times not work for its citizens. So, you know, what what I'm wondering is, does that law would that law in any way, shape, or form affect also private citizens? Because I know private citizens right now through uh, the FAA and whatnot are regulated on when they could use a drone and and, and whatnot. But you know, you have you have these organizations that are private organizations that help during disaster during. Uh, uh, missing kids and things of that nature. I remember the, the the Jimmy Rice situation. You know, there are a lot of private foundations out there that may want to contribute and help. I'm wondering, uh, would that, uh, you know, state regulation on drones also impact the uh, ability of private organizations to help out? I don't know if you have the answer to that. As I read the bill, it was strictly with respect to law enforcement, fire department, governmental agencies. Okay, good. There was nothing specific uh, with respect to private charitable organizations that may assist uh, in very needed searches, for example. You mentioned missing children. Um, and of course, in the private sector more and more, even in things such as farming, drones are being used uh, to uh, check on uh, the dryness of soil or the condition of plants yeah, or the progress, progression of disease and correct. that bird's eye view helps. So I think Robert is, is partially on target here with the idea that the technology is here. Oh yeah, absolutely. How should it be used because there is a danger, as you, you were noting, of abuse. Correct. Correct. So, so if I can just jump in here real quick for those people that are just tuning in, this is uh, Miami Cop Talk. Our hosts are Raul Correa and Robert Asensu. We're both retired law enforcement professionals. Combined, we have almost 30, 60 years of, of law enforcement experience. We're public servants that extend well over 60 years. Uh, we have with us today our legislative insider for Miami Cop Talk, Dr. Nancy Lawther. Last week, she was in Tallahassee briefing us on the legislative bills that pertain to public safety. This week, she's provided part two, and that's who we're speaking with right now. Nancy, what other bills are going through that deal with public safety? And it's very interesting, the conversation that we just had about privacy because there is another bill that is under consideration. It only has a Senate version, not yet a House version. 
and that is Senate Bill 144. It seemed uh, if someone is entering the lottery today, four is your number because we discussed Bill 84 and then Bill 44, and now we're going to discuss Bill 144, and that is searches of cellular phones and other electronic devices. So this is, and you may be very, very familiar with uh, these particular statutes, but under the statutes for search warrants, uh, 933, 934, and so forth, there are very strict conditions uh, under which evidence can be gathered uh, without the, um, uh, the participation of the, um, the person being um, uh, targeted. So this as well would include devices such as a cell phone or uh, any other device that might be able to pinpoint the location of someone. Uh, do you have a device, for example, in your car uh, that could pinpoint your location, or even at home, uh, if you've asked Alexa for anything recently, uh, uh, Alexa, play this, uh, or Alexa, where's such and such a restaurant, or Alexa, you know, all the ordinary questions that we uh, ask, not me, I don't have one, but uh, this kind of device that responds to environmental cues and transmits information electronically and stores information uh, in the cloud. Um, this kind of device would be uh, included in uh, Senate Bill 144. And again, establishing certain parameters for the legal search of these particular devices. Uh, the senator who has uh, proposed this is very sensitive to privacy rights. That's Senator uh, Brandis. And for example, the question of license plate readers uh, and Red light cameras is something that has he's proposed legislation on in the past, but here it is establishing um, the same kinds of conditions for searches of electronic devices as would be required for searches of a, a specific premise or something like that. So establishing rules and at the same time establishing the rights to privacy, barring official documentation with, for example, a 48 hour window where you can surveil someone uh, electronically uh, without a warrant under emergency situations where um, you have every expectation that a search warrant will be granted. So uh, this simply expands the scope while indicating 
that no one has the right to eavesdrop on a cellular conversation or other kind of electronic transmission without the permission of the, the owner of that device. And uh, also that um, except in emergencies, you need a judge's okay in order to proceed to any kind of investigation of, uh, of whatever evidence that might include. Uh, doctor, let me ask you a question. This is as we use it as a segue to our next uh, topic, as I know you mentioned there's a bill going through uh, regarding false evidence or uh, making false statements and uh, property yes. and evidence. So yes. based on that, uh, let's go ahead. Would that previous conversation that we were just having with the, the, the electronic device needing a warrant, uh, hypothetically, I'm asking for Robert, would his spouse have the authority to go through his phone and could that be used as evidence against him? <laughs> hey, hey, you're giving some- There would be a lot of discussion there. of legislation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our spouse is covered under the authority to go through your phone <laughs> without a judge's order. <laughs> now that's a very interesting question with respect to divorce proceedings, for example. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but I I think this is only surveillance by law enforcement. And, Robert, you're and... safe. <laughs> So our next, our next, uh, uh, you know, legislation that uh, I know we met, we briefly talked about uh, was the false, you know, statements, perjury, or uh, proper, you know, you know, tampering with evidence and property. Can you brief us a little bit on that? So, um, false reports of crime, House Bill three seventy three, Senate Bill. One, two, three, four, there's that four again. Uh, but uh, basically this caused a lot of discussion because it increases penalties for false reports of crime, but with certain levels. If for example, uh, you falsely re report a crime and uh, this causes expenditures on the part of police or fire or whatever of um, $1,000 or more, there is the proposal that this should be evaluated as a third degree felony. Uh, if there is physical injury as a result of your false report, uh, class two felony. And if it results in the death of someone, um, and I think there was a recent case, an officer was responding to uh, a call that was actually a false report and ended up um, unfortunately um, passing away after a traffic accident. Uh, that would be something um, where if it resulted in the death of a person, it would be a uh, um, class one felony. So, that is the intent of the bill. The heated discussion that arose is that the false report is not necessarily simply to uh, a police agency, to 911, but for example, somebody falsely pulling a fire alarm, which creates an electronic connection 
And a number of the senators involved in the discussion said, what about stupid middle schoolers? Middle schoolers who will, you know, for kicks or to get their buddy in trouble, will pull down a fire alarm. And suddenly you've got fire response and um, you've got a kid age 13 or 14 who's got big trouble. Now, not to say that there should not be consequences for this. This You, you get people um, concerned, frightened, and so forth, and you engage this municipal or county services, there's gotta be a consequence. The question was, do, does somebody like a 13 or 14 year old deserve this kind of treatment, this kind of mark on their record? So no. that was the gist. Uh, nonetheless, uh, the bill is proceeding. It's been through one out of three altogether. And the House bill has passed its second of three committees. So it's part way through the process. What the final discussion will be, if it makes it all the way through in terms of dealing with stupidity as opposed to maliciousness or worse, uh, because of course um, we had the case in Parkland uh, where the student pulled the fire alarm, everybody came into the hallway and then they were sitting ducks. So uh, that's malicious, that's, that's intentionally uh, homicidal. Would you know, Versus, Nancy, if I could jump in here? Because absolutely. Here, here lies, a dilemma that I have with, with the legislature. So they're proposing laws, right? And I suspect that when you, for those of you that don't know, when a, when a legislator introduces a bill, it goes to bill drafting this bank of attorneys that, that are the ones responsible for creating the bill. But often, often the legislators will argue. And in this particular case, with this example that you're bringing up that there was a much debate, the children with the fire alarm. And I say the children, because even though, you know, we do know that we have some really there's some kids who breach the or expand beyond the norms of what a normal child and how the normal child should be treated over criminal behavior. The reality is that pulling a fire alarm is already a third degree felony. Right. So that bill should have language excluding the, the fire alarm because the fire alarm already has a penalty and it is a third degree felony. So that's why I have issues sometimes, a lot of times with, with these bills that are duplicative if, if you're not, if, you, if you look at it that way, or even ignorant when they're introduced. And I'm not calling anyone particular ignorant, I'm just calling them, they're not versed enough to look at other bills and we have conflicting laws out there. If this bill passes without an amendment, you know, clarifying that issue, then you're gonna have two laws out there that, con that conflict with one another. Robert, let me ask you a question very briefly. You did your time up in uh, in Tallahassee, and I say that okay, it was almost almost some sort of like prison sentence. You did your time up there, but the fact of the matter is, let me ask you this: When there's a an elected official that has this great idea in introducing a new law, a new statute to uh, benefit the the citizens of their state, 
is there an audit process prior to see if there's anything on the books that already addresses what they're trying to uh, well, help yes. the citizen? Yes, and that's, that's part of bill drafting. So bill drafting, you know, one can submit a piece of an idea, right? An idea for law creation, enactment of law. You can almost write out a bullet. Say, I want to create a law that'll prohibit Raul from parting his hair the way he's parted his hair. And then it goes to bill drafting. And bill drafting will do the research and say, there's another law out there that would bring people from parting their hair, or there is no law. Um, but, but often the arguments discount the advice that comes from, from, from bill drafting. And then it becomes an issue. And I think that what we're, what we're seeing here, not to get too far off the, off the topic and not to get too far into the weeds, I think what we're seeing here is legislation with these fours, right? These little bills that include fours in them. Everything has to do with technology. I, I believe what's happening is I see the legislature moving more in the direction of trying to, you know, curtail or bring some type of order to the use of advanced technology. Am I right, Nancy? I think that that's, that's where they're going. That's one of the directions that they're taking uh, without necessarily on the part of the vast majority of legislators much background in the field. There, there are some who are very, very much on point and are, are aware of implications. But um, as you know, many times legislators are placed on committees uh, that are not really within their particular area of expertise. Yeah. And so they look at a bill, they read a bill, uh, maybe it's gone through a complete rewrite in the last 24 hours. And uh, there's a three minute presentation by the sponsor and the legislator thinks, oh, sounds good. And off they are. Uh, the bill passes that committee. So yes, I would say that they are trying to grapple with technology. There are some other big trends in the legislature this year that do not have to do necessarily with law enforcement or with technology. But um, yes, I think uh, they have a feeling that technology is out of their control and they are trying to impose some limits. So yes, um, that, that, that would be uh, the case. Now, maybe this bill in relation to the third degree felony that you mentioned for the um, uh, pulling of a fire alarm, maybe they simply wanted to increase the penalties if afterwards uh, the result was injury or death to somebody. So they wanted to enhance the penalties. That, that may very well be the case. I know there are plenty of statutes that complement each other. And if, uh, you know, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, if they can't get you with this one, they're going to get you with that one. Uh, and if they can get you with both, then they'll get you with both, you know. Uh, yeah. Nancy, as we start uh, heading towards the end of the of the broadcast, is uh, I think we've been on for around 30 minutes or so. And, and I know a lot of this information really uh, boggles the mind of some of our listeners but it's very uh, much needed. People need to be informed of what's going on in Tallahassee with their elected officials. 
Is there anything that really stands out uh, that really this legislature, you know, what's going on right now? Because I know there's still bills being introduced and whatnot, but is there anything that really stands out that you think would impact uh, public employees as a whole, maybe law enforcement as a whole, that it's really going to be a game changer? I think, um, and we are just seeing the very beginning of it, um, whereas most of the bills that are not advancing deal with either the training or the equipment or the operational protocols of law enforcement. And there are um, six pages worth, uh, by my count, uh, of bills with respect to law enforcement and the behavior, the equipment, the protocols of police officers, six pages worth, most of which will never ever be heard in committee. But there is a discussion and a bill moving forward that is I think indicative of some common ground. And um, that is with respect to the interrelationship uh, between mental health and law enforcement. And there is, for example, uh, Senate Bill 1192, Senator Powell. It is advancing. Uh, last week, it had um, passed its first committee. Now it is on the agenda for its second of three committees, meaning that it's got some traction. And that is including as a possibility for um, the continued employment training of 40 hours annually, uh, training in recognizing mental health conditions. Wow. And uh, this is not a requirement. It except that it be included as a possibility for training for the continued employment. Uh, so it's not saying that every officer must take this training, but that such training must be available to take. And uh, I, you can tell me, but I think law enforcement officers would welcome such training because in service to the community, which is which lies at the heart of their mission, they want to be able to help those. And if someone is not able to respond in a normal fashion, how best to resolve a situation without danger to anyone. So uh, this training might be of use. There is another bill which has not yet advanced and deals with mental health of those who serve as public servants and could benefit from peer counseling. We all know that there is a shortage of trained uh, clinicians, uh, that it is difficult to get uh, appointments or, or timely appointments and that nonetheless, pressures are enormous, uh, whether one is serving as a fire department officer or in law enforcement and so forth. Day-to-day -day pressures, instantaneous decisions that need to be made are extremely stressful. And so a uh, possibility of establishing peer counselors uh, while one is um, 
experiencing a shortage of professional counselors, properly uh, trained peer counselors can be of assistance. So that bill so far, and the session is still seven and a half weeks from ending, uh, is still in the realm of being considered or could be woven into another bill, which as Robert knows, uh, often happens. Yes. All right, uh, Nancy, as we get ready to conclude, I think that you just nailed our next conversation with you. And, and I think Robert can really uh, contribute in uh, a little briefing on how the legislature works, because sometimes it's confusing you. He brought up uh, bill drafting and, and so on and so forth. I think uh, I think that's a topic for one of our next shows. Uh, Robert, you want to end us off on this episode? And uh, Absolutely. So we're here talking to Dr. Nancy Lauther, our legislative insider. Last week she was in the Capitol. Today she's in Miami. But certainly over the next seven weeks, she will be uh, providing us a briefing on the bills that are moving forward. I totally agree with you, my, my co-host, Raul Correa, that we need to give you, the viewer and the listener, a um, insiders as to, insiders view, if you will, of how the legislature works. I like to do and, and propose this and make this recommendation to both of you. How about we take a look at some of the bills that are either being proposed or what is being moved in, in the legislature to take a look at uh, the bills that can hurt law enforcement officers that or um, the, 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 the delivery of meeting the mission of public safety. So we should be taking a look at bills that, that you know, that they will impact negatively law enforcement, especially um, the ones that need to be called out. Um, I, I, I fear that, you know, maybe unintentionally, because we, I agree with you, Raul, we need good, efficient, accountable, responsible government, not necessarily bigger government, but we need good, efficient, accountable, uh, responsible government. And in doing that, sometimes good intentions turn out to be disastrous. So I believe that we must look at and serve as guardians to protect our fellow members of the public, but also those people that provide the, the means to protect the public. I can't thank you guys enough. Raul, you want to close it out? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. And I want to thank our uh, Capital Insider, Dr. Nancy Lothar. And, and we hope to speak with her fairly soon with more information from Tallahassee. As a matter of fact, uh, I know that uh, she uh, she knows what to do in Tallahassee. But it'd be great if you could even give us some uh, some insights right when you're up there. We can tap into when you're in the Capitol and maybe go to a, a live shot or get some uh, audio from one of our uh, elected officials up there that we can you know, bring on the show as our Capital Insider for uh, Miami Cop Talk in Tallahassee. So I want to thank everybody for listening into our next episode. Stay safe, stay strong. Remember, Miami Cop Talk, one community, one voice.